0: Welcome to Tech Stuff, a production from iHeartRadio. Hey there, and welcome to Tech Stuff. I'm your host, Jonathan Strickland. I'm an executive producer with iHeartRadio, and I love all things tech. And it is time for another classic episode of Tech Stuff, this one originally published on August 26th, 2013. It is titled, Tech Stuff Gets Tattooed and Pierced. Now, I'm only one of those things, but between the time we recorded that show and now I got another tattoo. So I've got multiple. But yeah, let's go back and listen to this classic episode about tattoos and piercings. Speaking of regular old tattoos, uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I've got two of them. So I can actually talk about the physical experience of receiving a tattoo... As well as the actual uh, science and technology that goes into producing a tattoo.
1: Um uh, I have zero tattoos while we're while we're talking about it. But um okay. I'm, I'm my ears are pierced. Does that does that help? That,
0: Ooh, I'm that's, hardcore. That's body modification. <laughs> I'm actually also, interest of old disclosure, I'm, I'm debating getting an ear pierced. Just
1: just one. Just yeah. one.
0: Okay. Just one. I don't know that it's gonna happen too, because I, I keep thinking I might be too old for that. So let's talk about tattoos. That's a good starting point, right? I mean Ear piercing is probably the lowest on the scale because it's the most uh, socially accepted form of body modification in our culture. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one in in the United States that you know, ear piercing is that's that's pretty 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 benign. Yeah, very common. So it's, uh-huh. no one would blink an eye really, uh, depending upon the type of piercing. I mean, there are more extreme piercings that that some people would look at and go, "Wow, that's pretty extreme," but it's still kind of on the the tame and Yeah, at least as far as our society is concerned, right? Right. But uh, tattoos, uh, tattoos are one of those things that we have a lot of information about, about how they happen.
1: Yes, um, and they are getting more common. According to a 2012 Harris poll, 21% of American adults have one, um, including 38% of people between the ages of 30 and 39.
0: Yeah, I, I fall into that category. Yeah. You know, And I'm actually, I'm always thinking about what my next one's going to be. By the way, there's a common saying that tattoos are addictive. That is kind of well. It's not physiologically true, <laughs> right? But psychologically, it is kind of true because after you take the plunge the first time, you think, "I kind of want more." So clearly, when we're talking about tattoos in this podcast, we're really going to be focusing on the way that modern tattoos happen. But it you know it behooves us to talk about. Tattooing has a pretty long history.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, recent documentation from the Siberian Times reported that um, some of the the permafrost-preserved, uh, uh, like like ice princesses and stuff like that, have wow. shown um, from, you know, 5th century BCE, have, yeah. have shown um, tattoos much like modern ones. That particular article, strangely enough, didn't link out to any scholarly institutions or, or reporting. So I, I'm a Take little it bit... taking with a grain
0: of salt. Yeah, but, sure. but still... Well, yeah, and then there have been uh, reports of, of you know tattoos being found on ancient Egyptian mummies mm-hmm. from about two thousand BCE, uh, and then of course the the word tattoo we get from a Tahitian word which essentially means to mark, which makes sense, and that uh, that word started to appear in English uh, writing right around the time that old James Cook was exploring the South Pacific, so about seventeen sixty nine. Uh, now. Tattoos are all done in essentially the same way, which involves piercing the skin and inserting some ink. But the tattoo machine is a little more recent. Uh, that comes to us from the late 1800s, so late 19th century. Uh,
1: and that was a improvement by one Samuel O'Reilly yes. on a machine patented by Thomas Edison.
0: Yes. Thomas Edison's machine was not meant to tattoo. It was meant to engrave metal, and it was meant to create stencils. And uh, it was called an electric pen, also known as the Autographic Printer. And that was something that was uh, uh, invented right around 1875 or so. But what O'Reilly said was, you know, I'm a tattoo artist. He actually had been a tattoo artist in New York. He was an Irish immigrant, came to New York sometime in the 1870s, set up shop, saw the electric pen by Thomas Edison. And it's interesting because that uh, device that Thomas Edison made never really became popular for what it was designed to do. Mm-hmm. There were other technologies that came along shortly thereafter that made it more or less obsolete.
1: Uh, right, and also, you know, for, for, for hand engraving, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a lot um, more efficient to machine engrave than it is to hand engrave.
0: Right, so O'Reilly takes a look at this and says, wait a minute, though, this thing that maybe isn't so great for what it was meant to do might do something else if I just make a few modifications.
1: Yeah, if I just change the tube system to uh, to accommodate ink yep. and um, uh, Modify the oscillating unit yes. to drive a needle rather than a, well, yeah. I, I suppose it was a needle to begin with.
0: Right, right, but it was a different style needle. Yes. Like the needle that was in the electric pen, you would not want to touch your skin because it was enormous. It was huge and yeah. a little bit scary. Yeah, it was, mm, yes, <laughs> certainly. And uh, it's funny, if you want to actually take a look at the patent, The patent was issued uh, in 1891 on December 8th because it's on the patent application. You can actually look up patents for free online. Mm -hmm. Uh, Google has a very good patent search, and this one comes right up if you do a a patent search in Google. Uh, It's patent number 464801, and the name of it is Tattooing Machine.
1: Uh, both, yes, both, both that and Edison's machine. Um, the patents for them still exist, and the illustrations are very fancy and pretty. Yes, um, and I, that, I've, I've seen some really slapdash patent illustrations <laughs> yeah. in my day, but these are top notch.
0: There's some, there's some ones for some particularly high tech gadgets that, when you look at them, you think, it was someone drunk when they drew <laughs> this? And it just shows that you know engineers and artists don't always combine into one person. Right. At any rate. So you look at this patent; it's very interesting. It, it does have that ink reservoir, and it's got the ability to channel ink down to this needle. This needle, by the way, is solid; it's not like a hollow needle or anything.
1: Uh Right. I, I think the idea is that um, the the needle is contained within a small chamber yes. that holds the ink, and mm-hmm. then when the needle pushes down out through that chamber, it takes some takes ink a drop of it. the ink yeah. with
0: it. Yeah. Right, and it pierces the skin and, and deposits the ink. Underneath,
1: uh, specifically in the dermis, because yes. you're going underneath the epidermis, which um, which sheds and cycles so frequently that if you put it in the epidermis, it would stick around for not very long at all. Certainly right. not a lifetime.
0: Like if you have if you have ever had either you know, well, a temporary tattoo will just wash off eventually. But if you were to get like a henna tattoo, something that stains the skin, then you know that eventually that skin, no matter how careful you are that design's going to go away because you will shed that skin. That skin will end up flaking off of you. It becomes dust, actually. That's what a lot of the dust in our world is. It's dead skin skin cells. That's pretty gross. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, a lot of the dust that you encounter on a day-to-day basis, that's pretty much from your body. Happy thought. Anyway, uh, so yeah, the tattoo is permanent because it is actually staining the dermis, as you said, not the epidermis. So we're actually looking at a tattoo through the epidermis. Think of the epidermis as kind of like a window. And the dermis is is where you're actually seeing the design imprinted, and um, your typical tattoo needle, according to our article on, on HowStuffWorks.com, there's a you know how tattoos work. We actually have this article. Uh, the needle can move between 50 and 3,000 times per minute. Now, that's actually the same frequency as the electric pen that Thomas Edison created. So uh, I suspect that most needles probably move significantly faster than fifty times per minute because that would be uh, well, you'd have essentially one a, once a second. So think about that: one one thousand, two one thousand. you'd be like,
1: "ow!" Ow! Uh, stop it! I, I, I suppose depending upon the um, the type of work being done. Yes. Yeah. I am not a tattoo professional. That would be a really interesting question to ask a tattoo uh, professional.
0: Outlining versus shading is very different. Right. I can say, say from experience, both on the the performance end. not I can't say that from experience, but from the recipient end, I sure as heck can tell you. There is a world of difference in the pain levels that you experience from outlining versus shading. Yeah. Um, now, uh, it's also interesting, you know, your, your, your experience of pain will depend upon several things, like your own threshold of pain, obviously. Uh, mine's actually pretty high, but, uh, it also depends on where you get the tattoo. Now, there's certain surfaces where, you know, it's nice and fleshy and you're not gonna, uh, you might feel like kind of a buzzing sensation and maybe some tingling, but it's not terribly painful. And then there are other areas where it feels like someone's really pinching you pretty hard or maybe you're getting, like, a bit of a bee sting.
1: I've heard that anything close to close to the bone close is very difficult. Close to the bone, yeah. I've got,
0: I've got one on my left shoulder blade, and any time it got to the point where it was close to the actual bone was uh, significantly more painful than the rest of the tattoo. And I've also got one on my left arm, and anything on the inside of the arm was more painful than the outside. But, yeah, so you've got, you know, with your basic tattoo gun, your tattoo machine... You've got the the unit that the tattoo artist holds in his or her hand, which has a tube that houses the needle. It's got the uh, ink uh, um, the the ink chamber or a little ink thing will will actually screw into it. Mm-hmm. And then there's usually a foot pedal control that controls the depth of the needle, so that the the tattoo artist can be very precise when uh, actually putting the tattoo onto your mm-hmm.
1: skin. It'll be more or less a millimeter, depending on you know. Who yeah. you are and where it is. Yeah. And, yep. Yeah.
0: But, um, but about a millimeter is, is that's that's a pretty good estimation.
1: And uh, it's the the machine itself is is brilliantly simple. Yes. It's based on um, or I, it's kind of similar to to what a sewing machine is. If that metaphor doesn't or totally
0: skeeve you out. Completely skeeve I'm, you I'm out. I'm actually perfectly fine with that. Yeah. But I, I guess it's because I've had a couple of tattoos and needles don't typically bother me. But I do understand there are people who have. Real psychological issues with anything that has to do with needles. With needles, sure. yeah, yeah, totally understand um, that.
1: But but so so the gun the gun contains a circuit that runs through an electromagnet, mm-hmm. and uh, that circuit is opened and closed via the vibrations of a spring loaded uh, a reed or um, a like stick a flange panel flange, yeah. 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 Um, and and those vibrations are controlled by a, a weight like a pendulum that's placed along that. That flange. Oh, that, that, I got gotcha. you. Interesting. Um, and now the vibrations are caused by cycling power through the electromagnet.
0: Right. So you got the fluctuating electric uh, magnetic field, and that's going to start causing some vibration. And uh-huh. interesting.
1: And uh, the, the the reed is connected at the top um, uh, to to the to the base of the needle, and right. therefore the vibrations of it push the needle up and down, and it makes it. Very, very simple to use. Um, very, I mean, the the, the cycle is is self perpetuating until you cut off the electricity supply gotcha. entirely. And
0: so I, you have this simple reciprocating motion. And mm-hmm. That's really all there is and to it. And that's it. it. Yeah. yeah. It's it is. So really, the the complexity here comes in the actual execution of making a tattoo, and that's where the artistry and skill really comes in because operating the machinery is pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It's the handling it properly and making sure you're doing not only a wonderful artistic job, but that you're doing it safely.
1: Right. Um, And the safety issue is one of those, uh, one of the things that I do know very, very well about tattoo parlors is that if it does not smell like a hospital, like a really good clean hospital, get get out. Yeah. Because, yeah.
0: So so for any of you guys out there who are considering tattoos, uh, you know, Make sure you do your research. Check in and make certain that all the dif- that whatever tattoo parlor you're looking at is on the up and up, that they follow very strict uh, uh, sterilization processes, that they are very careful to have one-use uh, items, and then they discard them and they don't ever use them again. Uh, some, some parts of the tattoo... Machine are reusable, and that's perfectly fine. And we'll talk about those. But even those, you make sure they have like an autoclave. An autoclave, so yes. They are they are sterilizing their equipment
1: because you want to heat things to either two hundred and fifty or two hundred and seventy degrees, depending um, upon the depending pressure. on the pressure and the time length that yeah. you're using.
0: Yeah, and th- we'll talk a little bit about the autoclave specifically in just a second to kind of explain what that is for those of you who don't know. But the the whole purpose here is to kill off any kind of bacteria or other organism. That could cause infection or disease, and uh, because, like
1: we said, your what a tattoo is is a you know a whole bunch of little punctures in your skin. Yeah, punctures can get infected. it's, right. it's an open wound.
0: Yeah, yeah, any kind it of it heals up. Right, but yeah, any kind of wound has the potential to get infected. So, uh, it's very important that you find a place that is reputable and clean. Hey guys, it's Jonathan from Twenty Twenty. Uh, while you're getting inked and pierced and everything, we're going to take a quick break, but we'll be right back. So the basic parts of this tattoo, that you've got the sterilized needle, and those are one-use. That's That should just, you, every time you go to a tattoo parlor, if you're getting a tattoo, the needles they have should be one-use needles in sterilized packets that they should open
1: right in front, in of, front, you, front of you. Right before they start their work.
0: Right. They, the, those packets should remain sealed until they're ready to do work. So they open it up, and they put in the needle into the, the machine, which has already been cleaned in the autoclave, and I'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh other things that need to be single use include ink, ink cups, gloves. Uh all of this kind of stuff needs to be one use in sterile packaging to minimize the risk of any kind of contamination. So make sure and it's perfectly fine to ask questions. Any reputable tattoo artist we'll will mind welcome it all. them. Yeah. Right. Because it shows that you have done your research and that you're serious about it. And again, if they're reputable, they'll have no problem answering your questions, being able to show you what, what it is they do to stay... Uh, if they give
1: you grief about it, get out of yeah, there. Yeah,
0: don't, don't go there. Go somewhere else. Yeah. Um, so uh, the autoclave is actually... Think of it as like a, a, a machine that generates lots of heat, pressure, and steam. Those are essentially the three components there. And it's often used uh, in... Uh, autoclaves are used in, in uh, medical facilities to clean medical uh, equipment. So you, the way it works is you would put stuff in a little pouch. Each one, would, each piece of the equipment, would get its own little pouch. Uh, this equipment would be things like the needle bar and the tube of the machine. So these would be the bits that would be used again and again. They go into their little pouches. Each pouch has a little indicator. Uh, strip
1: on the outside for when everything is, um, has been heated to the correct temperature that indicates right that it's sterile.
0: Yeah, exactly. It says, essentially that, that sticker changes color and it tells you, well, it's not a sticker, but the indicator changes color and it tells you everything in here is dead, yo. <laughs> and so, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, like you said, it, it can heat depending upon the settings. Uh, the, the general rule of thumb is 250 degrees Fahrenheit or 121 degrees Celsius for 10 pounds of pressure for 30 minutes or 270 degrees Fahrenheit, or 132 Celsius, at 15 pounds of pressure for 15 minutes. Uh, That is the standard operating procedure. Uh, The tattoo parlor should be following one of those two with its autoclave. And uh, there you go. That is your standard uh, approach to sterilize the reusable equipment. So remember... Ask those questions. Make sure you know you do your research, and uh, and if everything's on the up and up, then enjoy your painful experience. <laughs> it's really not that bad, depending upon where you get it, right? And how big the tattoo is,
1: and and, and your personal tolerance and the skill of the uh, yeah. of the artist. Now, I
0: had an incredible tattoo artist who did both. The same guy did both my tattoos, and uh, and he was just he was not only really skilled at creating beautiful designs. He also uh, really minimized all the discomfort. I mean, there were some, especially around the shoulder blade area. But uh, it, was, it was nothing too intense. Like, it was nothing more intense than, you know, a minor bee sting. Right. So, assuming you're not allergic to bees and you've experienced a bee sting and it wasn't a big deal, that's pretty much the worst at, it got for me personally.
1: Right. I I happen to be allergic to bees. Well, then, and, see, for uh, you,
0: if uh, uh, yeah, uh, I were to compare it, yeah, yeah. compare it to a bee sting, and you'd say, I would die. <laughs> that's not what I mean.
1: Um, other fun questions to ask your tattoo artists are what kind of inks they use. Um, just as an interesting note, sometimes uh, inks contain metallic pigments, and um, if you ever have to go in for an MRI after getting a tattoo with a metallic pigment, it, it's not going to fly out of your body magneto style or anything like that. Yeah,
0: and uh, it's also good just to make sure that you know if you have any known allergies, that's obviously something else you need to discuss because there's a possibility that either the ink itself could contain something that you were allergic to which could be a problem or that some of the other materials like they're supposed to the whole process before they tattoo you they have to uh, uh sh-
1: clean and shave, shave the and area soap, and disinfect right, it yeah, disinfect. right
0: so any anything like that you just want to make sure that you're not going to come into contact some, with something that's going to give you a bad reaction yes and i had one other kind of cool thing well first of all uh, if you're feeling in a goofy mood <laughs> we do have a we do have a fake article on how stuff works about tattoos <sighs> Uh, one, one of our few, uh, so we, we haven't we haven't done it every year, but occasionally, How Stuff Works has made a, an April Fool's article on How Stuff Works, and we have one about how animated tattoos work. Uh, which is all about electronic tattoos that are, uh, it's like electronic devices, right?
1: Uh, right. The story goes that, I, and there's an actual patent for a subdermal LCD screen uh-huh. out there yeah. that exists in the real world right. um, that has never, nothing ever really came of it, I think. But yeah. um, but, but, but yeah, the, the article talks about a little subdermal LCD that's connected to a little magnetic uh, battery right. and a small controller. And yeah, so
0: that you would be able to have a, a tattoo that would actually be like showing video and stuff or have an animation on it that we could run in a loop. Now, there are obviously some, some barriers to that, the big one being that the body tends to not like stuff introduced to it. And we're going to talk more about that when we get into the second half when we start talking about some interesting implants, mm-hmm. that there are dangers of a body rejecting certain materials. And you can't really predict which ones it's going to reject and which ones it's not. There are some that have a, a lower percentage of rejection.
1: And, but and even some then, people's immune systems work differently, right? And so it's kind of a toss-up, and it
0: can change depending upon your activity level too. I mean, if you get a if you get an implant in an area that gets a lot of uh, like a lot of agitation, then that can increase the odds of a rejection, that kind of thing. But we'll get into that in the second half. However, there is a different kind of animated tattoo. It's not really the tattoo itself is not animated, so it's a misnomer, really. But um, there was a guy who goes by the handle, the tattoo handle of Carl, K-A-R-L. Each of those letters is capitalized with a period after it. Sure, like you do. But Carl, in Paris, uh, American as far as I can tell, or maybe, maybe Canadian, North American at any rate, he's a tattoo artist working in Paris, created what he calls the first animated tattoo. And I even have a date for you, June sixteenth, 2011, the first animated tattoo, Not really an animated tattoo. It's a tattoo that has... What,
1: what, what, was it like a flip book?
0: Yeah, he actually got 40 guys and tattooed a stick figure on each of them doing something slightly different and then had them run in a circle. And then, no, it's not... That would also be awesome. I don't know where you would be able to convince 40 guys to do that. I am sure that you could, though. (laughs) I've seen a lot of crazy tattoos out there. No, what it was was a QR code.
1: So uh, he had right, a guy have right. a
0: tattoo with a QR code incorporated in it. Now QR codes for those of you who don't remember or haven't seen one in a while, um, they they were big for a little bit but then they kind of like they, they kind of fell out of favor. It that was, I don't it, was a, as much. it was a
1: marketing gimmick. I, I mean, I I I feel like it was overpromoted is the problem. It was a fine technology, but yeah. but the way that that wi-fi wound up happening i i don't think that it was as necessary as people thought that it was going and to be
0: and there's a lot, lot more work in image recognition like things that like a, there are a lot, there's a lot more work now where software can recognize things without there having to be some sort of established pattern there right. but essentially it's it is kind of like the next generation of the barcode it was uh, those those blocky pictures you've ever if you've ever seen them they're, they're a square that have little, a little black like squares. It like a Rorschach
1: test kind yeah, of, sort of. Yeah,
0: except it's all blocky. It's all hard edges. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, Pixelated Rorschach test. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. And so uh, this was incorporated in the tattoo. And in fact, they didn't know if it was going to work. While they're, this guy's getting tattooed, and they have no idea if it's <laughs> going to work or not. Because they don't know, you know, it takes precision, again, because the digital camera's sensor has to take a uh, image of this, and then the software has to analyze it and, and interpret that as... Information in some way. And if the tattoo artist had made a block a little too big or a little too small, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, uh, it wouldn't have registered. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't coordinate with that information, right? So in this case, what the QR code did was it prompted the smartphone to then go to YouTube and pull up a video of an animated version of the tattoo design singing opera. Yeah. It's a little bitty round-headed guy with like a little top hat and a big handlebar mustache singing opera, in the middle of this tattoo. And then that's that's what the tattoo was.
1: I mean, I mean, I've seen some um, some aesthetic barcodes on people. That, you know, I like I,
0: hitman style, <laughs> like base of Hit, the skull.
1: Hitman, or you know, I I I think there's a probably a lot of science fiction that I'm forgetting that includes some something like this. Right.
0: There's probably like some sort of 12 monkeys type thing. Yeah,
1: there's totally an episode of reboot. But uh, yeah, Uh, Uh, yeah, that
0: show I don't watch. That that show that you don't. Right. Yeah. Jonathan from 2020 again. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll return in just a moment. Well, that, that's like the big tattoo thing, right? We wanted to cover that pretty extensively because that's one of those that has the really cool toy, if you want to put it that way, the piece of technology. Mm-hmm. But there are other things we can talk about. Obviously, uh, the other basic one we've already mentioned, piercing. Uh, so whether it's your ear or some other part of your body, piercing, you know, of course, that, that involves creating a hole which jewelry will then pass through. So piercing usually means that you're seeing the ends of a piece of jewelry, right? whether it's like a barbell or if it's a, a stud or a hoop or whatever, you're seeing the exterior part. That's, oh, right. that's the part that's on display.
1: Yes, yeah, so th- there, there's another form of piercing. Um, what's it called? Pocketing?
0: Oh, yeah, pocketing, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But pocketing's pocketing's kind of, they call it anti-piercing. And the reason why they call it anti-piercing is that pocketing involves creating pockets of skin. This is where I start getting a little creepy crawly. Uh, like I said, my, my tolerance level is... Is probably fairly normal when it comes to body Getting modification. Totally like, normal, out by, normal in mm-hmm. the sense of what the society norms are, I don't judge anyone who's gone through and gotten body modification because whatever you want to do to to assert your identity, That's awesome. as yeah. long as you're not hurting anyone else, I'm totally for it. It's just that if I look at it, I might go, ooh, that, that looks like that must be uncomfortable. But pocketing, essentially what that means is you create these pockets in the skin surgically. You actually cut open and create surgical pockets, which... I'm guessing at some point need to be lined with something to keep it from being just an open wound. But the jewelry is inserted. The ends of the jewelry are inserted in either pocket. So think of two pockets that are facing one another. And then the jewelry, the end of it fits in one and the other end fits in the other. And so the the middle of the jewelry is exposed as opposed to the ends. The ends of the jewelry are inside the pocket. So they are out of view. And this can be done in lots of ways. Like if you make really deep pockets, you can make this kind of super cool but very creepy effect of the skin being pulled apart because you're seeing these, like, ribs of metal. Sure. I saw it in one guy's arm where he had done the inside of his forearm where he had uh, these deep pockets. So, you know, maybe the last, I don't know, quarter inch or so of the jewelry was under the skin, and the rest was exposed. The middle part was exposed. Now, piercing... Of course, that that's where you just have the hole that the metal or whatever the jewelry fits through, mm-hmm. and the ends are on display.
1: And that's again a, a not at all a new thing. I know that records of nostril piercing go back as far as four thousand years in the Middle East, and that both ear and nostril piercing are mentioned in the Bible.
0: So yeah, yeah, these are ancient forms of of expression, identity. Sometimes it's religion. Like, sometimes it's religious. Sometimes it's uh, a a tribal identification. I mean, the, this is something, you know, the way of, uh, uh, adorning ourselves, I mean, that, that's something that goes back to prehistoric times. So, uh, now obviously with piercing, you have several of the same, uh, concerns that you do with tattooing. You're talking about creating essentially- uh,
1: Creating a wound in oh, yourself. Yeah. And so you want all the equipment and the person delivering the equipment unto you to be, um, as sterile as possible. Yeah. Yeah. AKA totes sterile.
0: Yeah. So, uh, like, I know there are a lot of uh, piercing, like, key, or there used to be. I don't know if there still are, but when I, I remember when I was growing up, there were a lot of the little places in the mall. Like where Piercing
1: they, Pagoda or, yeah. or like at
0: Eclair's or whatever. Yeah, like a little kiosk, and they would have the little piercing gun and stuff. Mm-hmm. Totally not, not a good idea because that's, that's a recipe for disaster. If you if, don't know how they are sterilizing their equipment.
1: Uh, again, if, if if you know if anything that's coming into contact with you, um, if they have an autoclave in the back, and anything that's coming into contact with you has is just being opened in front of your face, then that's that's that's, that's a pretty good sign. Pretty good sign. But um, I
0: would always, I mean, like every person I have ever talked to who is in to any level of body modification, whether it's someone who just enjoys piercings or it's someone who enjoys some of the things that again that I would I would think of as more extreme, they all say go to a Go a to a professional pi- parlor. Yeah, a piercing parlor, a place mm-hmm. where that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And in fact, there's one near my home, which is where I would go and go on oh, if I go and do it. But um, <laughs> I,
1: I did, I did get my ears pierced when I was uh, like twelve or something like that at like a Claire's, yeah, a mall. Yeah. But and and I have never, they've never been infected. It's always been fine. Sure,
0: sure. No, they, it's and it's not like yeah, we don't want to say that if you if you have had this done that you <laughs>
1: you're, you're in terrible li- danger,
0: you're living on borrowed time. <laughs> we just mean that the the you know if you're considering this kind of stuff, these are the places that are going to be traditionally the most safe yes the most safe so uh again again same thing you ask questions when you get yeah. there you ask them how they how they handle their equipment which pieces that are equipment are reusable versus one use only how do they they take care of things after it's all done you know and it's good to ask questions it's all whenever your safety and health are concerned ask questions Hey there, guys. Hope you enjoyed that classic episode of Tech Stuff. If you have suggestions for future topics I should cover on the show, please reach out on Twitter or Facebook. The handle at both of those is HSW, and I'll talk to you again really soon. Tech Stuff is an iHeartRadio production. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.